In this episode of the Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series, there are adult themes and swear words. So please be careful. If you're listening to this in your car with your kids in the back seat, maybe listen to a different episode and come back to this one. Adult content is coming up. You have so many different ideas for your businesses. So many ideas that you want to try and test. But you've been working to pick one idea. You think this is the idea you could go for. Well, now you've picked, you've got to commit. You've got to follow through. You've got to run a mini experiment. You've got to drive the tanks into the space. You've got to make it happen. You've got to do this. Now, you're not committing for the rest of your life, but you do need to commit that you are going to see through this mini experiment and make it happen. If you've got lots of ideas, if you've been wondering which one to commit to, this is the episode to get you going. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. So welcome back to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Uh, We have back with me today, Jamie. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Alan. So Jamie, episode one of our coaching series was with Katie Coombs, and we were thinking through which of the three projects we were going to go for. And then episode two was with Simon Payne, and we did a complete 180 and chose a different (laughs) product. Yes. Uh, And we won't tell Katie Coombs that at all. She'll be okay. Yeah. And then we got very excited. We're going to launch a Kickstarter campaign. We're going to sell your first comic. We're going to launch it to the world. We're going to get this done. And you've started to work on that. Tell me where you are. Have we done another 180? What's happened? Uh (laughs) (laughs) No, I I do promise that I did not do 180. I'm not changing the idea. Um, In fact, like very recently, because I've been binging this podcast about launching a comic on Kickstarter. I don't know if you want me to share it for like the audience called the comics launch podcast. And one of the podcasts I listened to, and there's like almost 200, he was saying, whatever you do, pick and commit. I can't remember what episode it was. I'm very sorry. I was like, oh my God, that's literally the opposite of what I do. I never commit. I love to change my ideas. So even like, even I'm like, okay, I'm doing a comic, doing Kickstarter comic. We've got this down, but is this the comic that I want to do? Is this the one, is this the story that's going to define like my first bit? Like I was really going <laughs> and starting to change again. And I've decided, no, I've picked the one, you know, we had talked about like my style, it's cartoony, it's like spooky, cute horror. And the one story I picked is this kind of story that I've had for 10 years. I started in university. So actually it was longer than 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a really short, funny horror comic that kind of like plays with the trope of like a sex worker robot. And I'm like, but if I want to do like more Victorian ghost stories, is this like my fit? Like it's ridiculous. Like I need to just create this story. And I do feel, and this is like my artistic side speaking. I do feel sometimes when you create a character or you have a story inside of you, it has to come out and it's going to haunt you till the day you die, until you create that character and put them out into the world. So I do feel that I really must take this girl, this, my robot sex worker, Mandy nine, and I have to tell her a little story and put it out in the world. And I think actually it's a great idea because I was starting to get like, I'm in the dip now of, uh, of fear and overwhelm. So I'm like researching Kickstarter, how to make the right image, promotion, start my newsletter. And I'm like, oh my God, there's too much. Like I am paralyzed. There are too many things to do. I have to redo my website. I have to this, this, this. And I really just started to get myself super overwhelmed instead of just, and I'm drawing every day. So I'm working on this. I know that in order to have a good Kickstarter, you don't need to have a finished comic. It's not a requirement, but you need to have at least like four or five pages finished. So I'm like, oh my God, if I want to launch this, I have to have these pages finished. I can't just have my sketches. And then something that's great and terrifying is uh, in January, Kickstarter has something called Make 100. 
So they encourage small projects where you're making a hundred of something. Now it doesn't mean I have to just make a hundred comics. I could make as many comics as I want, but maybe have a limited edition cover on some of them, a limited edition print or sketches. I don't know. So I definitely want to jump on this make 100 thing. Like another overwhelm thing that I hit was um, that podcast has a lot of free calculators and even like, so first of all, with like my current social media reach and friend group, it calculated that I'm probably going to be able to make about like fund about $800. And I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> then uh, I like punched this, like, I'm like, well, what if I go up to a thousand? So even if I go up to like a thousand, I need like over a thousand eyes to view a my thousand Kickstarter. What? Like eyeballs. $1, yeah. Like let's say to earn $1,000, I need at least like 1,200 people to like see the Kickstarter just from like conversion rates and the amount that people yes. pledged and blah, blah. Probably more. Yeah. That's like a low estimate for sure. So like with this project, I am like aware that I'm not making this Kickstarter. So like I can quit my job. I'm, I'm, that's not at all. That's what's happening here. What's happening is I'm creating a project to test out the platform, to put a comic book out in the world, to start to build a fan base around what I do and to learn all the nooks and crannies and make all the mistakes with a very, very small launch. So I definitely am aware that like, it's cool, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to put my all into it. But even if it succeeds, I mean, it might just pay the cost of the printing and the shipping. Like this is how that first project usually goes. And that's okay. I am okay with that. I am still just really overwhelmed by all the little things I have to do to get to that point. So that's where I am, Alan. Help. (laughs) (laughs) That was a long briefing. I love that. Um, I know. I was like, I can see it was six minutes of like uh, me babbling on. So sorry about that. (laughs) No, no, no. This is, this is what happens when you get into a project sometimes is you go, whoa, this is bigger than I thought. So if it's okay, I'll be making some notes. Let's tackle these one at, a time. And I think you've mainly dealt with the nervous of having made the right choice. I just had a couple of thoughts to make sure that we're definitely there. Number one is advice my granny actually gave me, but I didn't get. And all she kept repeating to me when I went through a series of jobs in a series of roles when I was younger, she kept just repeating, stick with it, stick with it. And I didn't get it because it's like, granny, I hated that job. I'm better off out. I don't want to stick with it. But that's not what she was saying. What she was saying was the process of sticking with something makes it happen. You see it through and the progress and the success comes as you stick through it. And I think so many people dabble in a bit of this and they dabble in a bit of that and they dabble in a bit of this and they never make progress on any of it. And the advice she was giving me is just pick one stick with it, see it through and make it happen. And it's actually great advice because every project gets tough at a certain point. And I think if we go into the project knowing it's going to get tough at some stage, we just got to stick through it, get it done, make it happen. And it's a finite project as well. So the second point I wanted to make was you're not committing forever. It's not like you're making a decision that this is the one comic book you're going to write for the rest of your life. This is just the first project and you're young. You have a huge amount of time to do many projects. So like we just pick one, we make it happen and it's not a forever decision, but we are going to stick to it for this one test. And then the final thought about this bit is there's actually no right answer, Jamie. And this is part of the problem in entrepreneurship is that there's just no right answer. Like either option will work, any option will happen. And I think this is where people get confused is they've got three or four options in front of them and they go, well, I don't know which one to do. And it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't make any difference. We just pick one that we're most excited about at the time. We'll do it. We'll see if it works. And then we can always do a second one later. Yeah. So like, how do those fit in with your thoughts about have you made the right choice? Yeah. So, so, so many thoughts. I really like what you said about there's no right answer. That's actually very liberating and it helps the stress <laughs> sort of go away. It's like, it, yep. it doesn't matter what decision you make. Cause there's no, if there's no right answer, there's also no wrong answer. Exactly. 
So just fucking do it and it'll be fine. Another thing you said was, you know, this comic is not the one you're going to make for the rest of your life. And I do think that (laughs) part of me, (laughs) I do think it is actually, no, I I think a huge part of me, and I'm going to say this for like perhaps all of my artistic endeavors, there's a fear that once I pick and commit, then that's it. Then I've decided on my genre. I've decided on my style, I've decided on my audience, and I have to just see it through until I die. And so I've never really committed because of that sort of fear that I might pick the wrong thing. <laughs> Random tangent, Robert okay. De Niro. What films was Robert De Niro famous for when he was in his early career? In his early career? There's like that one where he's a rebel. Is it? I forget what it's called. So you're saying... He did rebel movies. He did a lot of gangster movies. He did Mm -hmm. a lot of very gritty, very violent, tough guy type movies. What's he been doing for the last decade? Uh, I'm not actually sure what he's been doing, but I'm going to say something more highbrow. No, actually, he's been doing (laughs) comedy. He's been doing very lowbrow comedy. He did a rom-com I absolutely loved, but a completely different genre, completely different genre. My second example, uh, you can tell who I like as actors, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> what did he do when in his early career? Ah, well, he did action movies and one of my favorite films, Predator. Yes, did some amazing action movies. And then he moved to Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> uh, do you remember Kindergarten Cop? <laughs> yes, sadly I do, yes. No, it was actually one of my, I love that movie. It's ridiculous, yeah. but it as was great. Kid, I but loved he moved it, to um... comedy. And there's so many people that become successful in one genre and that then opens up other genres to them. But if you never become successful in one genre, the other doors don't open up. This is true. This is true. So I guess I'm not quite comparing you to Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I think you should just pick one and we can always change later. Well, just on that note, I do work out a lot and I am a power lifter. So you can continue (laughs) to compare me to Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think that's just fine. (laughs) Excellent. So... Like there's the picking the one. And I think once you've made that decision and you go, okay, it's Mandy nine, that's the comic. That's what I'm going to do. And this is, I'm committing to get one comic book out on the Kickstarter and I'm committing to doing this first experiment. That's it. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to see it through. That's the one. Then comes the implementation, which is the bit where I think you've, listen to 200 episodes of a podcast and you're feeling slightly overwhelmed? Yeah, I would say maybe like 90 of them, but uh, yeah. (laughs) That's still quite impressive. (laughs) Yeah, perhaps not that many, but it's not just that podcast. It's like there are things like I'm looking at printing. I live in Canada. Most of my audience will probably be my friends and family for this first one. So I'll probably do a small print run and ship from Canada. But then I'm like, oh my God, what if people from the States order and I have to ship to the States? Should I print? You know, I'm just getting, it's now I'm in the logistical like nightmare hell where, you know, there's all these little pieces and I'm kind of just like, yeah, this is where I am right now. There's lots of resources, maybe too many. And I'm really, I know what I need to know, but there's just too much. Where do I stop? How, when do I know I've got enough information to, to move forward? Well, I can tell you the answer to that. You have, uh, <laughs> The amount of research you've done, you know. (laughs) I think what becomes overwhelming is when you listen to a lot of these podcasts, they start talking about it turning into the big business. Then you're producing lots of comics and you're shipping globally and you're doing this and you're doing that. I think take the pressure off. This is your first experiment. And we set a target of we're going to sell I don't know, whatever the target is, we want to sell 200 comics or 300 comics. That's what we want to do. We want to sell 300 copies of this comic. That's the target. That's it. And I think there might, like a large percentage of the comic book reading world is in America. That's just a fact of life that a lot of the comic book readers live over there. Like As the first experiment, if we have 200 and you've got to mail 50 of them to America... Like, we'll figure it out. And we might not make any money this time, but we'll figure it out. We'll have a load of fans. We'll have your comic out in the world and we'll know what to do the second time. We just have to make it happen. And I think the desire to make it perfect is what then makes us overwhelmed with the whole project. Yeah. 
And I didn't think I was a perfectionist, but my therapist this year helped me realize that I am a perfectionist because you think, oh, well, you know, like sometimes I have dishes in the sink. I'm not a perfectionist, but with my creative projects, yeah, it's not that like I, and if you look at my style, which, you know, people might, might look at my style and be like, oh, but it's kind of like cartoony and like the hands look kind of weird. So it's not like I'm beating myself up constantly, but I guess when it comes to actually launching and doing the bigger thing, not just doodling around. Yeah, I guess I am a perfectionist because I keep thinking, well, I have to keep working, working on my style, working on my art, working on, uh, you know, my social media presence. So yeah, there is some level of perfectionism that that is holding me back. And, you know, I do have a very small social media following. I do have, you know, a long way to go with my my newsletter, which I've closed down, which I guess I have to re reopen now with my five <laughs> my five people on my email list, <laughs> which none of them are my mom. So I'll have six, you know, but when I open that up again, that's, that's pretty I'm exciting. Impressed. Yeah. Thanks. So, okay. Like what are some maybe metrics that we can make that we can shoot towards like 300 comics seems, and I know you're just throwing out numbers, but like, even let's say I do like the hundred, a hundred comics, even that like to say you're, you have to, sell hundred comics or, you know, you are a big failure. I think that even is, is quite too lofty and that we should look at. I think you added something to my sentence there, Jamie, because I don't remember ever saying, if you don't sell 100, you're a failure. Does that (laughs) sound like something that I would say to you? Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, Mm. I certainly uh, add, (laughs) add loot maybe a little bit. (laughs) Possibly added a couple of extra parts that weren't actually in the message. If you put this comic out there and you didn't get it funded, what would I say to you? Uh, you would probably say, you know, cool, awesome. You put it out there. Let's try it again. Let's do it again. It's part of the journey. It's part of the learning. Let's take the next step. Mm-hmm. Because if we can learn from step one, do a better version for number two, then we'll make progress. And number two might not even work. And if it doesn't, what do we do? We just try again. We learn. And we try again, having a better version and a better version and a better version. And if you've got that attitude of, I'm going to test and learn and then have another go and then learn and then have another go, you become unstoppable. And I think I am definitely not the smartest cookie in the jar, Jamie. I am just someone who keeps getting up and keeps having a go. And it doesn't matter how many times things go wrong. I keep having a go until I get there. And I think that's all you need to do in this bit. I mean, like, yes, be smart, but you're listening to the podcast, you're working out the prices, you're doing all the stuff, and we can get to those details. But you've got to be okay with maybe Mandy Nine isn't the comic that you will become famous for. Maybe that isn't the one that will sell. But what is the only way to know? Yeah, it's to put it out there. And, uh, you know, I mean, everyone listening to the podcast certainly is, is a business owner or wants to be, you know, an entrepreneur. And I think there's also something unique about artists because maybe when you have a business and, you know, I've done non-art side gigs a lot in my life, you don't feel so bad to let it go or fails and, and you don't feel like it's intrinsically you. But when you're an artist, the things you create are intrinsically you. I know they're not really, but there is something about the creation of a character or a story or a work of art. And there's a real deep part of yourself in it, even if it is comedy. Well, even, I mean, you know, comedy is really reaches people on so many levels. So I think that the fear that an entrepreneur has is even higher when that's an entrepreneurial artist, because you know that you've, you've actually put a little piece of your heart, you know, and your, and your soul out for people to see. And the fear of that being rejected is so much higher. The stakes seem so much higher than if it was just an entrepreneurial endeavor that I could launch. And if it doesn't work, I'll, I'll just, you know, course correct and do something else. Well, I'm, I'm going to get marginally annoyed at that one, Jamie, because <laughs> are you telling me that my businesses are just entrepreneurial endeavors that don't really matter, whereas okay. artists have put their life and soul into it? Is that what you're guess, telling me? I guess. Are you judging my projects? Are you judging the people am, yeah. who start cake businesses and who start food businesses and pour their heart into their food? Are you judging the people who start businesses that provide a product that they make with their hands? Like, 
every entrepreneur goes through exactly the same thing. And uh, I hate to tell the artists out there, you like we're all artists as entrepreneurs in a way, because you're building something, creating it and putting it out into the world to be judged. My first business just happened to be talks. So I built PowerPoints and I did speeches. I created it. I put my heart and soul into it. And then people judged me and either hired me again or didn't. And it was incredibly painful if it didn't go right. If someone thought I was rubbish, if you got bad feedback, if you get rejected, if whatever, it all goes wrong. And I think, I agree, you are putting your heart and soul into it. And so does every entrepreneur. And that's kind of what we have to risk. It's a bit like love. You have to throw yourself into it and you (laughs) risk it going wrong. But it's better to have been loved (laughs) for a bit and then for it to all go wrong than never to have loved at all. I've completely butchered that line, but you know what I mean. (laughs) And as an entrepreneur, it's better to have put it out into the world and had a go than to die with the story inside you. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, well, first of all, sorry, entrepreneurs, you're right. Um, <laughs> my mistake. <laughs> you put me in my place there, Alan. I got it, got it. <laughs> I guess I'm just saying we feel your pain. We're yeah. all going through it. And no, I think everyone right. goes you're through it. Right. Yeah, and I think I was a little bit too, uh, you know, artisty uh, in that moment of like, but mine is the story. <laughs> it's not just a cake. <laughs> Whereas, like at the same time, you know, like there's these cake businesses, and then there's artistic cake businesses. Like, who the fuck am I to like, you know, be judging that uh, anyone? <laughs> so yeah, so fair. And I am, you know, in my. It's funny what you say about love because in my personal relationships, like I have very deep friendships, and a big part of that is because. I put myself out there and kind of allow mm-hmm. myself to get hurt. Yes. I, you know, I, I have a lot of vulnerability when it comes to my personal, social, emotional relationships. And I know that not everyone is into like my super deep talk where I'll be, you know, talking about depression and anxiety and, and, and things very openly, but I'm okay with that rejection because I know that it made deeper relationships. So why am I scared to go deep with my business or my art? Why is that the thing that's holding me back? Because there's even a fear, like even like people, friends of mine and people who I know in real life are very supportive of my art. People I'm super surprised, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, this person is liking all my posts and I hadn't talked to them in years. And part of me is still scared to like share this, that I'm putting in a Kickstarter. Like there's a real shame of like, oh, people are going to judge me for thinking I'm so fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone has this feeling when they're launch- they're putting a podcast out there, they're like, who am I to speak about this subject? They're launching a business. Who am I to say I make the best cookies? Who am I to do this? Who am I to do that? And I think that it's a perfectly natural feeling to have and one that just needs letting go of because it's going to stop you from making progress and it's going to stop you from doing cool things and being able to live the life of your dreams. And I think... What you're not saying is that you are the best comic book writer out there. What you are saying is that you have a story and a style and you'd like to share it with the world and make a difference. And that's a very different thing. So just, just saying it's, it's my thing. I'm putting it out there. Take it, leave it. I am happy because I'm doing what I want to do. That's the way to approach it. You're not saying you're the best. You're not saying you're the number one comic in the world. You're just saying I've created something cool that I think will entertain, inspire and add value to your world. Yeah. And you know, when earlier you were like, you know, when you're young and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I'm not super young. And then, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, I look great for my age, but uh, there is that feeling of, oh my God, I have so many stories in me that I want to create and put out in the world, even if they don't make a penny, you know, hopefully they will. I would love to be a full-time artist, but there's so many stories I want to create. And if I don't start putting them out, I will die having never made stories and never put them out. And that's super tragic to me. It's actually like really sad, that thought of, of dying, having not created and put these things in the world. And the only thing stopping me is myself. I am... 100% mm-hmm. my my own worst enemy. Nobody has told me that I'm not good enough. <laughs> Just me. Just me. Isn't it interesting? And there's so many studies about the number one regret of the dying. And it's about living a life true unto yourself. And you wish you'd just done these things. 
And mm-hmm. so many people die with those regrets inside them. So let's not do that. Let's launch. Let's get it out there. Let's just do it. And yeah, we'll pick one. And, you know, if number one doesn't work, we'll tell another story and another story and another story. And in this process of telling stories and getting them out into the world, you'll find one that catches hold, that makes a difference and will grow a business. And I think you're doing it from the right place. You're doing it from the place of these stories are to be told. My product has to get out into the world and you've got a job and you're safe and we can do this on the side until it takes off. So there's very little risk. I think if you were going all in and printing a thousand copies yourself and putting your life savings into it, I'd have a different view. But there's very (laughs) little risk when you're doing a Kickstarter campaign. There's your time and your energy. And if it goes wrong, we don't make any money, but we've learned something. And doing business like that, I wholeheartedly say, let's go full in, see what happens, and let's see if we can make our dreams come true. I'm in. Let's do this. Okay. This is not how I expected the first half of this episode to start. (laughs) I'd actually written out a little script for myself about the Kickstarter campaign. What are we going to sell? Who are we going to sell to? What's in it for them? And some different bits. But actually, if one doesn't get one's entrepreneurial mindset straight at the start of the project, it can be a self-sabotaging thing. So it's really important to work through all of the internal objections that different parts of you have as to whether you should do all this or not. Let's get the internal committee straight and all lined up and firing on one direction. And if we can do that, we're all pulling in the same direction. When I say we're all pulling in the same direction, you are one person, but you know what I mean. There's lots of bits of us (laughs) that pull in different directions. If we're all going in the same direction, it is amazing the progress we can make. Absolutely phenomenal the progress we can make. Yeah. And we had talked about mindset a bit as one of my biggest challenges. And like last week I was finishing some commissions for clients and they were just like looking, I was looking at them. I'm like, man, I'm really good. (laughs) Like I really, like these are really nice. And now (laughs) that I'm working on my own project for myself, that like this morning, I just had this real dip in that motivation of like, oh God, like, am I really, is it really good? I don't know. Like, so starting on the motivational foot, being able to to talk openly about those fears, I really needed that before I could go into planning. I think if I hadn't said it and we had just gone into planning, I would have been like, this is so terrible. You know, like I would have, I lied to Alan and also like, I still have all these fears. So it's good. And to remember that, yeah, you just do it. It's okay. Like, even if something happens with the day job, like you just, it doesn't matter. Like we're not trying to win the lottery of life right now. We're just trying to create and set a path for creation and making and and moving towards something. So yeah, I just want to keep moving forward right now. I love that. So are you, are we ready to commit to Mandy nine is the first test of our Kickstarter plan? Yes, that is absolutely what I'm committing to. Perfect. So I think we have two separate tracks. We have track number one is marketing, which is defining what are we selling? Who are we selling it to? How much is this? What do they get out of it? And then how do we tell them about it? It's the marketing track. And then there's the sort of operations and logistics. I don't know what a better term to call it, but uh, there's (laughs) the how many pages is the comic Where are we getting it printed? How will it be delivered? And what cost will it be to us so that we can inform the price on the other side? Because we don't really want to make a loss on our first Kickstarter campaign. I'd rather charge a little bit more and have an error for margin and we can get a little bit more accurate as we go. But we'll start with a reasonable price and we can get to that. Where do you think you're most hung up at the moment on those two tracks? And do you think there's a third track or are those the main two? No, I think that those are the two main tracks. I feel like when it comes to the planning part, it's a lot of information, but I feel like all the information is out there. I know where to look for it. I already have started getting quotes with, you know, online calculators for printing. I kind of, you know, for shipping, I know that I want to literally head over to the post office with some different sizes of packages to just test out 
you know, how much is it going to be to ship to the States? How much you can do these online calculators, but actually having them weigh it is just a little more safe. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, feels yeah. more real. I love feels that. Yes. It feels like I did something. Yeah. Then, so when it comes to like that, I feel I don't have all the information yet, but I absolutely know where to go. And, and I've been starting that research path when it comes to cool. the marketing side. I mean, I have been doing online business stuff forever and yet it's such, okay. So as an artist, and this is a bit, I think different, correct me if I'm wrong. Again, (laughs) (laughs) I think this is different than other entrepreneurs. So when you're, uh, let's go back to cakes, you know, like you tend to be solving a problem when you're an entrepreneur. So even like a baker, even if it's fancy cakes, their problem is like, Hey, wedding cakes are boring. I'm going to make them awesome. You know, that's the problem that I'm solving or people need cakes for weddings and I'm giving them, you know, like there's, there's a problem that you're solving art. Most of the time art does not solve a problem. You know, it entertains, it inspires, but it's not necessarily solving a problem. Like you could say, well, I have an empty wall and it needs art. Is that a really, you know, like, so on entertainment and inspiration, what is the problem that entertainment solves? Well, it could be, I don't know, boredom. It could be... I'm in lockdown. I'm bored. I need new content. I've read all of Marvel's comics. Uh, <laughs> what other problems <laughs> could entertainment be solving? Well, I do think perhaps inspiration, like uh, sometimes mm. a good story will give people hope. I don't know if mine is going to give people like hope, but it's, I think we could say the problem that mine solves is it's playing on certain sexist tropes revolving around sex worker robots. And so it solves this problem where, you know, women are maybe often seen characters that are misogynistic or don't speak to, to them. And now they're going to have a, a sort of funny story that makes fun of all those tropes and, and helps solve the problem that they aren't finding work that relates to them. So maybe, you know, I could say that that is a problem that it's solving. Does that make sense? Am I stretching it too far? No, no. I think we are inspiring. We're making people laugh. We're entertaining. If that isn't enough, then no movies would be successful. Yeah. And movies make the odd dollar. I don't know if you know about this. <laughs> But some of those movies do very well. And people need entertainment. They need inspiration. We need hope. We have a hole in our life for these things. Why are podcasts successful? Why are books successful? Why are any form of art? Why is it successful? And it's because it enriches other people's lives and it does solve problems. It solves a hole in our heart sometimes. We just need to have that confidence that what we're giving is actually of value and You could say the same about my speeches. When I was doing public speaking, when I was delivering seminars and workshops, I am entertaining and educating and inspiring and I'm helping people. And the same can be done through a comic book as well. The same can be done. So I think you do have something you're solving and people have a need for it. And I guess um, in the place where I'm trying to pick the story, you know, I do have these bigger comics, right? These uh, longer stories, and maybe they're more meaningful. And so I start to get caught in that. And I'm not changing. I'm definitely sticking with Mandy Nine. But there's part of me that's like, ooh, should you be doing something more meaningful right now? And, uh, you know, I mean, I read all kinds of things, um, comedy and, and horror and, you know, lighter stuff. So uh, and superhero stories. And I know that even in things that seem silly, there are often, you know, deeper stories to tell. So like I'm, I'm answering my own question. Like it doesn't matter that it's something simple. Like there's always room to put in a deeper meaning. In fact, like this has always been something that I found very important. I think that a lot of times art is made for artists who goes to art galleries, like, you know, not the average <laughs> Jane or Joe. So by being able to put meaning into content that's easier to digest, like comics and cartoons, I just think it's a great way to reach people. So, so I am answering my own question there. Just do it. Jamie, just fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's just do this because yeah. it does fix a problem. It does help people. It does make the world a better place. So let's just get it out there and see how people respond. And maybe the back page of the first comic you write has a, this is part of a wider universe. 
with one image from each of your other stories to get people inspired. And it says to find out when the next comic comes out, go to this website and put in your email address. So there's no reason why you can't tease the other stories and tease what's to come and the bigger stuff. But we just need to start with one. Yeah. And my long tangent about uh, meaning and life in the universe and everything was all related to marketing. I swear it was about that idea that, you know, because other you know entrepreneurs can say I'm solving a problem. So that's how I'll find people. I'll find people by going to where people need cakes and pitching my cake to them. So as an people artist. need cakes. Yeah. Because well, there's a whole group of people who need cakes. Yeah. I mean, when weddings can happen again, you know, when the world opens up, you know, assuming it ever does. So, you know, and, and as an artist, it's like, I definitely want to offer something to people. I don't want to just be the stars where I'm like, oh, look at the pretty things I drew. Ah. Like I do feel this constant need and want to bring joy to others, to help them in their lives, you know, to give people hope. And I'm trying to figure out how to reach people, how to market that. Like it's huge. Now we're like, this is another podcast episode all alone. And I read a lot about art marketing but I always feel like it's always so high level. And for me, like a lot of artists who are tactile, they can do a lot of videos of them working in the studio and what their studio looks like. And like my studio was like this desk with a bunch of dolls on it and my nail polish. You know, it's like I do digital work. Like it's not super exciting unless people want to see what colored nail polish I'm going to you know, do after this uh, interview. Uh, I'm going to Jamie, 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 you do digital art you can literally create images of anything. How is that not super exciting? It's just like, sometimes people like to see the behind the scenes of what an artist does. And like, for me as a digital artist, I find that my behind the scenes is not so romantic as, you know, an oil painter who's got, you know, their studio. So let's focus on what we can do. Because like, we can always look at every other industry out there and focus on, well, they do that better than me. Or we can go, what can I do that is inspiring and what can I make happen? And we just need to focus on what you can do. And maybe in the future, you'll have a beautiful studio with a board and, you know, attractive models for you to paint lying around. It'll make beautiful (laughs) images. Who knows? Maybe in the future. But for now, we've got to focus on what we can do. So let's break this down. Number one is who are we going to sell to? And I'm going to go super practical because you're right. Marketing tends to be very lofty. So let's go super practical. So number one is who. The way I like to do this is how can I find these people? And one of the best ways to do that is what else are they interested in? So the example is if they read this comic book, they'll be interested in my comic book. If they watch this movie, if they're fans of X movie, they'll probably like my comic book. If they like X podcast or X show or music, if they like this music, they'll probably like my comic book. So give me, give me a, a movie, an artist, uh, give me something that if they like X, they'll probably like your comic book. So definitely anyone who loves heavy metal magazine. And if your audience knows what it is, then I don't have to explain it, but if they have no idea, no, it is not about music. It's uh, a comic kind of anthology monthly comic that started in France, I believe, because it was called Metal Hurlant when it first came out. And it's like just a mix of sci-fi horror fantasy, but they're usually like really sexy female characters. They're very campy. They're more adult oriented. So that is like where my stuff, like I definitely shouldn't have been reading those at the young age I I was, but, uh, (laughs) you know, you sneak through your dad's books and there you go. So it is the world's greatest illustrated magazine. Uh, They've gone big on their marketing. Uh, It's a pulp (laughs) magazine, Weird Tales, began publishing in 1923 and is still publishing it, albeit sporadically to this day. And they're launched, they're out there. So I found them online. If we know that's our kind of audience, how are we going to find people who like that? How can we find them? Do you mean in the like, oh, well, I'll see who's following them on Twitter and then follow them like in that like super basic way? Or do you mean Mm -hmm. on like a larger scale? Marketing is a lot simpler than people think it is. So if we click on Heavy Metal Magazine's Twitter account, they have 29,700 followers. There's your audience. 
Yeah. And so there's this other thing too, though, is that although I'm like, so I grew up on horror movies, heavy metal magazine, other things I probably shouldn't have read at such a young age, but I'm also a feminist. And this is like the weird thing. So the people who are into that and into, let's say, um, I also think people who grew up on the weird MTV cartoons of like the the aughts, I think you guys call them the 2000s. I think they would resonate with my work. They're also usually boys or men. And I really am trying to focus on weirdo girls like me who did like this stuff, but also had like the rational mind to say, oh, some of this stuff's a little sexist. (laughs) Like, can we do better? You know? So, and I do know, like, I'll I'll say uh, last year I participated in Women in Horror Month on uh, social media. So there is uh, an online magazine pitching a lot of like daily prompts for people to share something about women in horror. And I started drawing daily uh, women in horror prompts. So I'd either do a horror movie or a director that was a, that was a woman. And I got a lot of fans and followers for that. And I think when I really think about it, maybe this, I should be leaning back towards something like that. Like I think women in horror would still like what I'm doing. Like, even though perhaps there's a larger audience of male readers who would like it. I do kind of want to focus more on women who, who are into this weird stuff too. Even if the audience is smaller, I don't know. I feel like we could, A, it's what I want to focus on. I'm that audience. So I know exactly what we're looking for. And maybe that's even better just to niche down even deeper and to say, it's not just people who like heavy metal. It's like women who like heavy metal magazine. So that's perfect. So we've got a super niche there. I think like, That's the niche we should aim for. But the thing with marketing is aim for a niche, but don't turn anyone away. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) So if you get a bunch of guys come to you because you aim for that niche and they want to buy your comic, let's not send them away, but we can niche market and target those people. So if we look at this heavy metal magazine and we can look for all of the followers that fit that target demographic that you want to chase and we Mm. can message them, that's it. It's not you, okay. It, it's well, not rocket science. This stuff. But how do you message them without being super weird and spammy? Okay, so I've clicked on heavy metal magazines followers. Number one is Danielle Tut, OK comic worker, comic hoarder, horror fan, history buff, a bit antisocial, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, she looks fun. So you've got this uh, lady on here who we know loves comics. What do you think we do with her? Yeah, she sounds great. Can you tell if she's single? <laughs> I, I haven't looked that far down her yeah. thread yet, but I could send her a message for you. Um, yeah, please. What do you think we do with her, though? We found a lady. We found someone online who loves what you're doing. We've got her here. Do, well, I'd follow her. That would be the first thing. I would. Okay, so we follow her, and what happens? Then I'll check out her tweet. Oh, I guess she'll get a notification that I followed her. Yes. And your average person, when they get that uh, a notification, what do they do? Uh, they look at your profile. Who's this weirdo following me? Sometimes. Like, I would have said your average person doesn't even look back at the profile, but sometimes they do. Sometimes they look back. But just following a bunch of people, is that enough? I'm going to say no, definitely not. Oh, so what <laughs> should we do? Well, I should check out her tweets and maybe comment on them, start engaging with her. Yeah, we can send her a message. So her last message four minutes ago says, it seems like another lockdown might be on the horizon. So I figured I'd share a few graphic novels that helped me get through the first two. What could you do with that message? I could comment if I've read them. I could give her some graphic novels that I've been reading during the lockdown. Yes. And you could make friends. And if you do that and you make friends, what will she probably do? Uh, Follow me back. Yeah, look at your profile, follow you back. And under your profile, what will it say? It'll say uh, the kind of art that I make and uh, who I am. Plus, I'll probably have a pinned tweet, which I should do, of the work I do, of the art I make. Yes. And it'll probably say something along the lines of, you know, horror fan, comic book graphic artist, launching my first Kickstarter and telling my first story. (laughs) Uh, And if someone reads that, what might they do? They might follow me and maybe they'll want to support that first story. You never know. You never know. And if we did this, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people on here 
Heavy Metal Magazine on Instagram has 371,000 followers. Twitter, they have 27,000. And they've got a Facebook page where we could start to find people and talk and engage. Like, do you think there's enough people there to be able to sell a thousand comics? Yeah, maybe. Perhaps. At least a (laughs) hundred. But marketing is about finding the audience that you want to connect with, making friends, and then putting your message in front of them. That's it. And I think people make marketing far too complex. Yeah. And I find Twitter... So Twitter's good uh, on several levels. And one is uh, it allows more sexy art than Instagram does. And uh, number two, it's just easier to have conversations on it. Whereas Instagram is really like the platform for artists, but it's so, I mean, there's commenting, you know, there's all these things. It's harder to have those conversations sometimes. I find on, on Instagram, it's just, I don't know. I just find Twitter is easier, but I definitely know that Instagram is where I'd like to be building the audience because as you know, someone who consumes art, it is a great platform to do that. It's a fun platform to do that. And it's kind of the way to go uh, now. And I know so that on Instagram recently, um, it's kind of come out that you have to use reels, you know, Instagram reels to, to get more engagement. And again, that's where I'm like, but I'm a digital artist. Like, what am I going to do on Instagram reels? They're not an uploaded video. It's like a live video. Like, do I start just talking about my art? Like, do I, like, do I start show my face and start like, do people care? I don't know. But I think this is the bit is it doesn't have to be perfect. We don't have to do every social media trick that all of these experts out there say. We just mm-hmm. need to pick an audience, which we've done. Fans of these types of magazines and comic books, these types of movies. And we're going to primarily focus on the female element, the women. And then we're going to market to them and we're going to connect with them and we'll do an experiment. And I think we then decide, okay, we're going to pick Instagram, Twitter, and one other place. And we're going to put an hour a day into them and we're going to drive traffic and we're going to measure the response and see what happens. That's it. And then from there, we can refine and we can work out. But I think marketing is such a big subject. It can be so overwhelming when you first look at it. We've just got to find a simple way you can reach your audience and offer them your product and make friends. That's it. Let's keep it simple. We don't have to do everything for version one. We just need to get it in front of the right audience. Okay, I'm on board. So I'm, let's start with this very simple Twitter strategy that you've just invented right now, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and let's stick with the hour a day of marketing too, because it can get real exhausting, like mentally, like overwhelming to kind of do more than that. Plus I have all this drawing to do and I'm on vacation now, but I'll be back to the day job next week and my time will mm-hmm. disappear. Just in, Yes. Just, yeah. But I think there's a very simple... We need to A, work on getting the Kickstarter page ready. B, in the background, start doing some of the marketing as we go and start talking to people and engaging and connecting. And then when we've got the Kickstarter page ready, then we can go full in on the marketing afterwards. Then after we've sold it is when you get the chance to actually do what you love, which is make the comic book uh, and do the art, and then we'll deliver it. And then we assess it afterwards. Okay. And I do want to jump on this Make 100 thing that's happening in January. Now, the great thing is it has to launch any time between the 1st and the 31st of January. I don't want to wait till the 31st because what if something goes wrong? But I would like to push it later because February is Women in Horror Month. And I feel that there's a lot of opportunities for me to, you know, jump on that like I did last time where I'm doing, you know, either horror movie fan art every day using the hashtag women in horror, you know, getting that's going to draw a lot of people to me. So if I launch kind of in January, at the end of January, you know, start making connections and people can come and then they'll be like, oh, shit, this girl's got a Kickstarter. And if I do the Kickstarter for 30 days, even if they meet me in the end of February, they'll see this. And most Kickstarter funding happens at the beginning and at the end. So it's kind of okay if people discover me near the end and they'll be like, oh, she's only got two days left. I need to jump on this. Yeah. So I'm thinking that would be a good idea for all the reasons I just said. And also it'll give me a little more time to prepare. That sounds great. 
So let's summarize with the next actions. What are we going to do? So next action is I have to, well, I definitely have to finish some pages of this comic. Like I know it's like, okay, we're going to launch, you know, a Kickstarter to fund the making of this mini comic. We need a little example to sell. Yes. We need, uh, yeah. I think five pages is a bit much for like an eight page comic. So can we aim for three finished colored pages? Like, does that seem reasonable? We can do whatever we want to. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I need to, I'm like, I'm stuck in research hell right now and I don't know when to stop. So that's maybe another problem is like, I'm researching like everything. So it's like, well, what does the banner look like? What does the video have to look like? What is it like? When do you stop researching? Should I just sit down and make a list of all the things I need and, and just not research anymore and just start checking things off the list? Yes. We just need to start now. I think I would have different advice to some people who come on and go, I've never seen a Kickstarter page, but you've been listening to endless podcasts. You've been doing all this stuff. You know what to do. We just need to implement it. And I think you're a super smart person, but we need to get you off the sidelines and into the game, Jamie. Mm -hmm. That's the way we're going to make this real. I would have different advice for other people. So those listening to this, please hear me. It depends on your knowledge. Jamie has done a lot of work and I don't know if you're hearing this too, listening to this. She just needs to start and make it happen. So I implore you, let's get those few pages ready. Let's get the comic book cover ready and then let's put the Kickstarter page up and let's get on with this. I'm happy to do another episode with you where we go through pricing and different elements and work on all that stuff, but we just need to get started. Yeah. Okay. That's fantastic then. So let's focus on a cover and three finished colored pages as like the teaser of what this is. I'm currently now that I'm like in full marketing mode, I'm posting on uh, my social media every day, either a sketch, you know, a finished piece. So from now until like it launches. I don't think artists need to post every single day, but I think that it's important for me during this campaign to be posting every day, even if it's something very small, just to get people excited about what's coming. Excellent. Right. We have a plan. We know what to do. Jamie, should we check in again in a week or so's time and sort out pricing and get ready to launch? I think so. I think we should do just the three pages, the cover, get that creative stuff done. I think I'll feel very accomplished if I'm like, look at these pages. Phew, I am a comic artist. I made three pages. And then with that under our belts, we can go into the yeah more logistical stuff after. Excellent. Jamie, where can the listeners find out more about your art and see what you're doing? I'm on the Instagram, the Twitter, Facebook, all under Miss Jamie Dillon. So it's J-A-Y-M-I-E because I'm cool like that. And Dillon (laughs) like Bob Dillon. So yeah, Miss Jamie Dillon on all the socials and uh, come, come say hi. Let's talk about comics and stuff. Yeah, check out Jamie's art, have a look, and then tune into the next episode where we're going to look at what do we need to actually get the Kickstarter online and going. Thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.